Welcome to Live on Purpose Radio with Dr. Paul Jenkins, where you will hear inspiring stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Feed your mind with a regular dose of positive energy and show up for your life every day on purpose. Living on purpose means that you have a purpose and you do it intentionally. And now, here's your host, Dr. Paul. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Live on Purpose Radio. This is Dr. Paul, the shrink who expands your life with another episode of Live on Purpose Radio. Today with me at Live on Purpose Radio is a good friend of mine who is a success coach. He is a business coach. He is a speaker. He is an author and one of my favorite people from the Northwest. This is Earl Bell. Welcome to the show, Earl. Thanks, Paul. How are you? Hey, doing awesome. And I'm excited to hear what you have to share with our audience today. I'm I'm intrigued with the title of your book, Winning in Baseball and Business. So what are we talking about today? Baseball or business? Oh, we can talk about both. If if you took a look at the subtitle, uh, it's uh, transforming little league principles into major league profits for your company. And essentially, Paul, it's a 10-inning book designed to share lessons that I learned from coaching kids from T-Ball to Cooperstown, New York, uh, that are very applicable to business owners that are trying to figure out how to grow the company of their dreams. Isn't it interesting, Earl, how the principles tend to be consistent? 100%. It's not like, oh, well, there's this set of principles for baseball, and then you have to a a whole new set for business. Really, there's a lot of consistency. Absolutely. Uh, Which makes it so fun and interesting. Right. And makes it so that we don't have to reinvent the wheel every time we get started into a new venture. We get back to the basic principles and it makes all the difference. So share with us some of the things that you've learned in this process. So I, I think one of the things that's really important for any successful baseball team, and I guess success is really defined by the kids and the parents and the coaches, but being able to define what success looks like. Mm -hmm. Uh, As a, for instance, uh, an eight-year-old baseball team may decide that success is, you know, everyone gets to play shortstop over the course of the year, or they get to have a pool party every couple of weeks, or, you know, whatever success Mm -hmm. is. Mm -hmm. uh, It probably translates to we want to have some fun we want to compete and we want to be with our friends and with a higher level select type team uh, success might look like playing tournament ball at a very high level and when your uh, 12 year old kid may be playing in the little league world series uh, in williamsport pennsylvania or cooperstown new york at uh, a select tournament that they run through the summer months Mm -hmm. so you know, starting with the definition of success and with a business owner, uh, a lot of times success might be money. But the sure. more that I peel this back, what I've really discovered is that people want control over their lives and they mm. don't want to feel overwhelmed and they, they feel stuck and trapped and would pay just about anything for the freedom of some more discus- discretionary time to spend with their family. So again, defining, defining success is really important. Yes. You know what, Earl, it's fun to, uh, to ponder what that means. And, and really at its foundation, it comes down to exactly what you're talking about here. It's a sense of, of freedom or, or well-being or happiness, maybe. Or uh, purpose. Purpose. 
In my book, I call it the feeling. Okay. Tell me about that. The feeling, you know, because we describe it in so many different ways. What do you want? Well, I want to be successful. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. You know, having time and money freedom. Well, why do you want that? And, you know, at the end of that argument, it always comes down to the same thing. It's a feeling of, I, I said, well-being, but happiness is one of the most common words that people choose. I just want to be happy. Right. Right? Happy, joyful, a sense that life is good and that that I'm good. Right? And so I've just labeled that the feeling, capital T, capital F, and... People know what it is. Yeah, and I think feeling and, you know, the definition of success, however you want to put it, I think it changes over time. Uh, You know, as a, for instance, I remember graduating from college with student debt, and it was a great feeling when my net worth was a positive number and not a negative number. Right. Uh, You know, graduating from college with debt and having to borrow money to buy a car, uh, I felt a little stress. So money was important and time wasn't. And, you know, you you get out of student debt. Uh, In my case, I got married, started a family and with three kids in college now and my wife and I having just celebrated our 25th wedding anniversary, Mm. you know, feeling for for me at least becomes more about contribution, uh, purpose, uh, being able to positively impact the lives of others in a meaningful way. Well, something different that might bring that feeling to you, which, yeah. which is based on your own definition of it and what exactly. your are. You, you were talking about the, the little league kids. Right. You know, success might be that we get a snow cone after the game, right? That's all they care about. Yeah, and don't underestimate the power of a snow cone. Oh, man, because it brings <laughs> the feeling. Yep. Right? And then as we get older – the, the things that bring us that feeling might change, but it's still the feeling that we're after. And ultimately, so something that I read in your material, Earl, and I know that, that you ascribe to, baseball is a game. And games are supposed to be fun, right? Exactly. Does that apply to business? Uh, if you are in business and not having a good time serving your clients – and if your employees aren't coming to work with a huge smile on, your, on their face, there's probably something wrong going on. So, yeah, absolutely, mm-hmm. business. I think it's the ultimate game, and, and it should be fun. Uh, you know, the, the beauty yes. of living in a capitalistic system is the market rewards you for doing well. And right. well is defined by the ability of your employees to serve clients in a way that gets them so excited they keep coming back for more. Mm-hmm. And the holy grail, positively um, being your brand champion out in the marketplace and proactively engaging others uh, through referral to come get the the awesome that your company delivers, whatever that may be. So in short, if we're not having fun, we're doing it wrong? I think so. Um, Uh You're talking to a guy who's a CFO for 20 years. So, you know, we could talk about margins and fixed costs and cash flow and profit and and stuff like that. Uh, And ultimately, you have to be able to produce a profit that generates sufficient return on your investment of time and money. Uh, That's CFO talk. But at the end of the day, 
if you look around the company and everyone's got a smile on their face, whether it be mm -hmm. an employee or a client, you're probably doing just fine. And conversely, if everyone's walking around with a frown on their face, chances are there's a little dysfunction going on and it probably isn't a lot of fun at all. So, you know, one measure of success, I try to simplify business and gamify it as much as possible. Uh, I ask clients to measure the smile to frown ratio around the office. Mm. That's a good indicator, isn't it? It really is. I can walk into any company, uh, walk the floor, walk the offices in about 10 minutes, provide a pretty accurate assessment of where the problems are. And it's just a matter of looking at, at faces and smiles or lack thereof. That's sort of the outward manifestation of what the culture is exactly in, in that company. And you know what? I've, you and I both get called into businesses to do trainings or interventions or consulting. Mm -hmm. And uh, on this issue of culture, it's kind of a loose concept, but it's sensed and felt by everyone. And I was working with an IT, uh, an IT team recently where customer support is all they do. Okay. That's what they're there for. I've found, and I talked about this with, with this particular team, if you get on the phone and you're frowning or you're stressed out, I don't care how good of an actor you are, that energy is going to go through to the customer on the other end of the phone. I couldn't agree more. So that, that's why it's so important to get to a culture that, that has a mentality that supports the feeling, the, the joy, the happiness, the smile yeah. to frown ratio. No, that, that's a, a good way of thinking about it. And it's a little different than the mental model I keep in my head, but mm -hmm. I, I, I'm, tra I'm exactly tracking what you're saying. Uh, you know, I think of culture as values, behaviors, and beliefs, you know, just to start with three simple words. Nice. And, you know, because I'm a simple guy and I can count on one hand pretty good, uh, I, I like to think of five principles or five values that drive company culture. And a real simple exercise is to ask the CEO of a company to write down the five values that he believes binds the company and forms the culture. Mm -hmm. And and then after that, ask every employee in the company to go through the same exercise. And pretty quickly, you'll be able to determine the extent that there's organizational alignment around the company values or mm. disalignment and dysfunction, right? Right. And, and then the second step, if you think about it, well, behaviors come from values. And if you started to think about the behaviors that show up in company role models, say, Mm -hmm. uh, do those behaviors show up on a consistent basis or do they not? Mm. And it's, it's interesting to get the leader's perspective on that and then the rank and file members of the company, their perspective on that. Is there alignment? Is there a congruence in what's being reported and what's perceived? Right. And if there's uh, incongruence, Mm -hmm. you know, chances are that shows up as the pink elephant in the company that nobody wants to talk about, except at the water cooler. And uh, the for, after the meeting sort of thing. Exactly. Uh, which is highly dysfunctional. 
and, and not productive at all. And, you know, clients typically can feel dysfunction on, on their end of the, the relationship. Uh, oh, dis- yeah. Unhappy employees typically don't produce awesome experiences for clients. Right. I think it's, it's contrary to principle. Yeah. We have to start at home. Start, start here with myself and with those who are immediately around me. And as that culture gets strengthened there at home, I think it, it naturally reaches out to those that we touch. Yeah, it starts with the team. And, you know, quite frankly, as you work on, you know, building a team through growth or replacing a a team through attrition, uh, I find a a mistake a lot of companies make is they focus on the position, you know, the job requirement, so to speak, Mm -hmm. as opposed to whether the person truly does fit in the company. Right. Right. And I I know uh, it almost becomes an overstated fact. Uh, you, you'll hear people say, oh yeah, we uh, are 100% focused on creating a, a happy and positive company culture, you know, blah, 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 blah. And then I'll say, well, can you show me the job description that goes out in the marketplace? And it's all about the technical ability and, and all about the description and all about the educational background right. that uh, is needed. And then at the bottom in about a four and a half point font is uh, we strive to build a happy and healthy culture where employees enjoy coming to work each day, blah, 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 blah. And it really is an afterthought. And, you know, I I can't remember who said actions speak louder than words, but using that as an example, I find a lot of companies give lip service to the idea that, uh, you know, if you want to build a hugely powerfully valuable asset that isn't on the balance sheet, uh, then focus on building a healthy and vibrant and productive culture. And and most companies don't do as good of a job as they could. Well, Earl, this is exactly what we love to talk about here at Live On Purpose Radio. Folks, we're going to dig into some of the practical things that you can do to create that kind of a culture as we come back from this break. This is Earl Bell at Live On Purpose Radio. We'll be right back. Hey, Live On Purpose Radio listeners. The fact that you're listening to this show probably means that you're a fan of personal development. Your personal development library should include copies of both of my books, Pathological Positivity and the pocket-sized companion, Portable Positivity. There's a .com for both titles so you can share these books with others. I also have a special offer just for listeners of the show. Go to drpauljenkins.com forward slash L-O-P-R for Live On Purpose Radio. I'll send you signed copies of both for a special discounted rate. That's drpauljenkins.com forward slash L-O-P-R. And we're back. This is Earl Bell at Live On Purpose Radio today. Earl, you are a baseball business dude. I don't Can know. I use that? That before? Yeah, <laughs> that's good branding right there, dude. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to see if I can get a trademark on that. <laughs> well, and 
coming from your experience, you've coached little league teams at all levels. You've had an opportunity to see that the principles that make a team successful are true for, for really any team, including mm-hmm. business teams. And we talked a little bit before the break about creating this culture, a positive, purpose-driven culture where there's more smiles than frowns. Mm-hmm. Good indicator, right? Whether we're on the right track. Um, in your experience, you've developed some processes. And uh, I'm wondering if there are some steps that you could walk us through, you know, for to, to make our business more successful or to, to attract and, and retain some of those high-level people who will really help us to have the best cultures. What, what do you have along those lines? Sure. So, uh, you know, topically, the way I like to think about this question is, you know, how do you build high-performance teams, right? Right. And, you know, to use the Little League or the select baseball metaphor, and I'll, I'll apply it to a business, uh, the four steps that I like to think about is attracting the, the right athletes or the right employees mm-hmm. uh, going through the process of making sure that th- the team is on board with the hire mm-hmm. uh, successfully onboarding uh, an employee or a, a player into the company and the culture right. and retaining them for a long period of time. And, and the last one is really important. If you think about it, uh, one of the common questions I like to, like to ask a company is, okay, hey, we're coming up on the end of the year, a couple of months from now, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, imagine how difficult it would be to grow in 2018 if 100% of your employees left on December 31st. Ooh. Yeah. You had to start over, right? Right. So if you had to start over, what would that look like? And, and it's the worst possible scenario. So, you know, starting with the end in mind, retaining employees that are good is really important. And, right. And creating a plan to develop them uh, and strengthen the team over time is even more important. But it's, it has to start somewhere, right? So mm-hmm. l- let's just pretend that on January 1st, we're starting from ground zero because I think that's a great place to start. Okay. Um, yeah. In 2006, we uh, formed a select baseball team on Mercer Island, uh, which is where I lived at the time. And we found a group of 23 or 24 young nine-year-old boys that A, wanted to have fun, B, wanted to play with their friends, and C, wanted to compete at a high level. Uh Uh, And those were the attributes that we deemed to be important to build uh, a successful program and they had to have some athletic ability, right? Th- these were probably the top 10% of every little league team. Mm-hmm. So in, in thinking about uh, employees, uh, if you were to identify the attributes that are important to see, succeed at your company, you know, I, I would encourage every business owner to list what are the attributes that are really important other than having the skills to do the job. But because that's the obvious one. That's well, it's obvious, but but um, let me push back on that. So, mm-hmm. using baseball, it's kind of fun to talk about that. How many professional teams do you know of or can think of that have had great athletes, right? But a sucky team. Mm-hmm. So, if you don't want your team to suck, if you don't want your company to suck, what are the attributes that this composition? or compilation employees have to have to not suck. And athletic ability is 
obvious if you're forming an athletic team, but probably even not the most important characteristic. Uh, not at all. Hmm. Not at all. So, uh, and by the way, in that first year, the uh, both teams won a collective one game over the course of the entire season. And the, the team that wow. I was coaching, uh, or I actually, I, I didn't coach that year, but the, the, the team that my sons were on, they won their last game of the season. But here's what they did right. And here's where a lot of companies I think could benefit. 100% of those players came back the next year. Ah. And when you're building from a position of having had a year of experience and in, in gelling as a team, mm -hmm. that gives you a competitive advantage over another team that's starting over from scratch. So, you know, how do you attract the right empl uh, employees or the right players? How do you hire and bring them on board? Uh, mm -hmm. Hiring, I think, is a collaborative process. And with my clients, it seems to work really well. And what I mean by that is uh, where companies have struggled with employee turnover in the past, we find that when the hiring is done by committee, uh, including peers, mm -hmm. employees and managers and uh, executives, you know, from the bottom on up, to the extent that you can have buy-in to the process that, yes, this person embodies our values, they exhibit behaviors that are consistent with what has made us who we are today and would be additive and not detrimental to the team, mm -hmm. those employees will go out of their way to successfully onboard uh, someone that they deem to be worthy of being on the team. And right. conversely, when you have an HR department that uh, you know, does the screening and the hiring manager has an interview and maybe a couple of other people and, you know, a hiring decision is made and then they're sent off to, you know, go work in their department. A lot of times uh, you don't have that bonding from day one that you could have had if the employee had gone through the hiring process with the team. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times what I've discovered is that the team will see things that the normal hiring people don't. Right. And you avoid making bad decisions. So my, my single tip for hiring is to make it more of a collaborative process. To involve the team in the process. To involve the team in the process, exactly. Uh, the the wow. third would be onboarding. Okay. Um, a a a program that works with uh, several of my clients is to develop a very specific 12 or 13 week onboarding program. This is after they've been attracted. Th this is after they're hired. On, on they're day hired. One. Let's go. Right. Uh -huh. And, you know, I, I like to think of training in this respect in, in two capacities. One, there's the technical aspects of the job. Right. This is the job and this is what we do and this is how we do it. But the more important onboarding program that works, uh, at least in my world and my experience in working with clients, is a 13-week brand onboarding program. And what I mean by that mm -hmm. is, you know, brand is what clients say about you. Uh, and, and clients are both internal and mm. external. And if you want to build a successful brand ambassador, there is training, right? 
uh, you know, this is how we embody the company values. This is how we exhibit the behaviors that are consistent with their values. This is how we treat each other. This is how we treat our clients. Mm-hmm. Uh, words and, you know, with your work, Paul, uh, words like building deep trust mm-hmm. and, and establishing a foundational framework for a long-term relationship, right? right. Uh, things that I think a lot of companies take for granted and because they aren't as intentional as they could be, they miss opportunities to onboard an employee who could go one of two ways. They could either become a very healthy and productive and an awesome employee for a number of years, or, you know, they could go down the wrong track because of a misstep or two and find themselves uh, looking for another job in six months or a year. Yes. Right. So it's not just the technical training that we're looking for. You know, I've seen this in so many companies that I've worked with. They have the technical training piece, mm-hmm. but they kind of miss the whole culture and, and purpose. And it, the, we call these the soft sides of business sometimes. Right. That it's not, it's not something that you can as clearly articulate, but it's something that everyone feels and knows about. And I think that, is what is going to help with, maybe you're getting to this, Earl, is going to help us with the retention. Because if people are really feeling good about being here, then they're not going to want to go away. I, th- I think, uh, you know, to that point, Paul, everybody wants to feel like they belong. Everyone wants to right. be able to feel a sense of contribution and purpose. Mm-hmm. And you actually reminded me of the greatest gift that I've ever received, and I kid you not, it was on my 45th birthday and I was coaching an 11 year old all-star team and had to have a conversation with a kid who was going out of his way to denigrate his teammates because he thought that by denigrating his teammates, uh, it would position him to be one of the starting players. And, you know, let me, let's face it on any all-star team, you've got a great collection of athletes. Right. Right. Um, That was a given. The the trick was how do you take a group of kids who uh, played on different teams and and create a chemistry inside a culture uh, with a common purpose? Right. And I I remember sitting this kid down and explaining to him that it was the greatest uh, gift that I've ever been given to have this opportunity to have this conversation with him. Uh, But he wasn't going to like the conversation. And, and he gave me one of those looks of like, you know, what do you mean, coach? And I said, well, here's the, here's the problem. You're, you're a great athlete. I, I love you. I, I love your parents. You come from a great family. But when it comes time for a first game tomorrow, I think I'm going to have to ask you to sit in the stands and, and watch your teammates play because you're the only person on the team that is trying to tear down everything that everyone else is trying to build up. And, and that's a team that is excited about showing up uh, with the desire to compete at the highest possible level and to do our absolute best. And, you know, I've got one kid on the team, you, who seems to feel it necessary to go out of his way to make people uh, question their ability. And, you know, quite frankly, there's no room for that. And, you know, ultimately it's not going to be my choice. It's yours. And I'm going to let you choose whether you show up tomorrow ready to play as a supportive teammate, or if you're going to watch with um, your parents and your brother in the stands and mm. he started crying, uh, which wasn't the intent, but th- this is why it was the greatest gift, Paul. He said, you know, 
coach, I, I know exactly what you're saying and you told me exactly what I need to hear. And I really appreciate what you're sharing with me. Uh, thank you. Wow. And, and I promise uh, I'm going to show up with someone very different than the person that showed up today. And he did. Oh, he wow. Did. <laughs> Isn't that something? It, it really is. And, you know, if you think about the power of uh, compassionate caring, which is what that was, you know, I, I wasn't mad. I wasn't angry. Uh, I truly cared about this team and wanted to serve the team to the best of my ability to give them the greatest possible chance that they had to perform well on the field. And, you know, there was uh, one player on the team that just needed to have a reflective moment about how his behavior negatively impacted everyone else around him. And I, I think the greatest gift leaders and organizations can do is have those types of conversations with their employees when necessary. And I think too often mm. leaders give up too early mm. because it's easy to give up. Yeah. Well, it's, it's difficult to have the kind of conversation that you just described. But like you said, I think from a position of compassionate, caring, you're not angry. And that spoils it a lot of times, doesn't it? <laughs> because when we go to anger, which is a secondary emotion, psychologically, it's secondary. It follows something else like disappointment or or sadness or okay sure. okay but when we go to anger it spoils it because then take this kid for example you approach a kid in anger and who do they think has the problem right the hothead adult that's popping off on them yeah this crazy guy as opposed to someone who approaches them with caring and compassion and there's still a problem but then who owns the problem now and he was able to see it in himself. And what a great example of humility and being able to accept, oh, I need to make an adjustment here. Yeah, thank you for recognizing that, Paul. Um, you know, one of the, the attributes, I think, of high-performing teams is that they do have a high dose of humility. Um, right. But coupled with confidence, I, I think, you know, high-performing teams ha are comprised of the employees that know they're good at what they can do. Yes. But recognize that, you know, showing up to work isn't about them and collecting a paycheck. It's about being able to contribute to something that's bigger than themselves. Right. So you can win in baseball or business. 100% of the time. And I, I, I honestly do believe that every day can be a win. Uh, and I, I didn't coin this term, but I, I live by it. Uh, either you do have a positive outcome or you learn from something that didn't turn out so well. And there's nothing wrong with that. Which is still a positive outcome. Yeah, that's a win. Exactly. Maybe I learned that from you. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're prints. Yeah, I made this stuff up, Earl. Yeah. <laughs> Timeless principles, aren't they? They really are. And as we observe them and apply them, it changes all the outcomes. Earl, you've made a great contribution here today at Live On Purpose Radio. How can people get in touch with you or obtain your book, Winning in Baseball and Business? Tell us where to go. Sure. Uh, Amazon is a great, easy way to get the book in hardback uh, on Kindle or uh, audiobook. You know, like you, I did an audiobook and, and read it. Uh, also found on audible.com. If uh, you want to get it for free, my, I give it away on my website, what? PDF form. Yes, I do. Nice. Uh, it's not about money for me. 
Uh, I, I truly want to serve business owners in the community, uh, learn how to apply Little League principles to Im improve the quality of their company and their client relationships and ultimately their life. So earlbell.com is a great place to go. And on the, the lead page, you can enter in your name and email address and uh, I'll immediately send you a book uh, right after that. And I'm on LinkedIn and Twitter as well. Uh, pretty easy to find. Wonderful. Earl, thank you so much. And folks, if you didn't catch that, it's earlbell.com, spelled just the way you'd expect it to be. earlbell.com. Thank you for your contributions today, Earl. Thanks, Paul. Always a pleasure chatting with you. All right, you guys, you've heard it from the master, how to win in baseball and business. It's time to go out and live on purpose.